0: Welcome to another episode of Expanding Circles. Today's origin story involves super secret spy stuff, questionable visa status, and the good side of sibling rivalry. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the lovely Laura Dyslowski. So welcome back, everyone. Today's guest is Laura. Say hi to the people. Hi, people. So, um, Laura, where are you from? I'll be honest I'm not really sure much about you other than what we've like the interactions at work so and that's relatively limited compared to some of my other guests. So, hmm. so where? what would you call your hometown?
1: I kind of hate this question because it's a very normal question to ask and it's kind of complicated in my case. I tell students here that my hometown is Washington DC. That seems to be the easiest to understand, but I definitely would never tell anyone from Washington, D.C. that I'm from Washington, D.C.
0: Are you from the, the greater DMV area?
1: Yeah. Are you from the East Coast? How did you know that
0: um, acronym? Why do I know DMV? Uh, actually, I know DMV from hip-hop.
1: <laughs> what? You like hip-hop? Yes, I I do. need to hear your podcast. Uh, yeah, I, sp- prob- I think I spent the majority of my life in Northern Virginia. So that's what would make the most sense. Although I haven't lived there for over a decade, and I can't necessarily say I ever felt in felt that I fit in very much with the area we grew up in. So okay. maybe that's why.
0: Okay. It didn't fit in, in any particular reason for that?
1: Uh, it was pretty um, very – the area where not everyone, but uh, religious, conservative, Republican – uh, lots of people with important government sometimes secret government jobs
0: uh, or military jobs and why did you why was your family in that area your, um, did your parents have secret government jobs?
1: They did actually they did
0: They did have secret government yes. jobs okay and so secret you can't even mention anything about them
1: uh no, I think I can. I think the basic title has been declassified. They were both uh, spy pilots for the Navy. And then I have a lot of cousins and family that I'm probably the only person that doesn't work for the military or CIA in my family.
0: Interesting. Okay, So I'm sure that made for some interesting uh, stories. And maybe not stories, but interesting growing up.
1: Kind of, except you don't really talk about it.
0: Everything's on a need to know basis.
1: Yeah. But uh, D.C. is there's really beautiful things there and around that area. But um, maybe Oregon people have kind of described there's an interesting juxtaposition between like the so-called yuppies, like very expensive cars and very uh, they care a lot about, you know, prestige and social image. And then right outside of that are the uh, so-called country bumpkins. So it's like very interesting mix, that area. Okay. Uh, Portland people have told me there's something going on like that in Oregon, too, but I've never been.
0: Uh, where'd you end up going for undergrad?
1: Uh, I did my undergrad and my master's at the University of Hawaii at Manoa.
0: Why Hawaii?
1: Pretty much because it was Hawaii.
0: Because it was Hawaii. Yes. That's, I, that'd be nice. I've only been to Hawaii once, very briefly, but I'm sure it's nice.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's expensive. Um, it's not all that... The tourism business plays it up to be. There's a whole other world of poverty and drugs there, but I still really like it. It's very, very diverse.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, any place that has a large tourist industry, once you get out of the tourist areas, it's a different world. So that's pretty normal, I think. Yeah. So Okay. So... But, but, I mean,
1: the natural beauty is just incredible. I've become a beach snob, and I can't just go to any beach now. Like, it's the most beautiful beaches in the world. It's the... Location on Earth with the most different colored sand beaches. So they have green sand, black sand, pink sand, white sand.
0: Okay, I think I've seen all of those except green sand. Oh, Um, they haven't. I've never seen a green sand. It's a dark
1: green color. It's It's really cool. But
0: it's definitely green. Yes. I'll have to look that up sometime. I've never even heard of a green sand beach. All the others, I've seen pictures of black and pink and... All those colors. I've never seen a green sand.
1: Uh, it comes. I forget the name of the mineral, um, but it's from a certain mineral because of the volcanoes okay. around the area. But yeah, that
0: that makes sense. Volcanoes, Hawaii. Um, okay, so did you go basically from undergrad straight to grad school, or did you? I did. Okay, so you knew pretty much right away this is what you wanted to go into.
1: Yes, because I really wasn't sure what else to do with myself, to be honest. And then our program uh, in Hawaii is famous. Second Language Studies. We have a lot of famous publishing faculty.
0: So we actually have quite a few people now who are, have gone through uh, school in Hawaii yeah. on faculty, don't we? Hmm. So, okay. So, what got you in that that idea in your head in the first place? Do second language education type stuff?
1: That is really interesting. I'm not 100% sure myself. Um, at the same time as I did I My B.A. was in Spanish, um, mostly because I, I was born in Spain. I lived there a significant amount of years, and I wanted to make sure I could still communicate with family I have there. So that's why I did Spanish. So I, that got me to languages. Okay. You can ask me something.
0: Okay. No, was just I didn't know you were born in Spain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How long did you live in Spain?
1: Uh, I moved when I was pretty young, so when I was six. but. Because, unfortunately, I had learned Spanish at the same time I learned English. So okay. I, was pretty, I was, I guess, bilingual. But then I didn't study it again. I forgot it when I was in the USA, and I didn't study it again till high school. So I definitely, I speak uh, Spanish very well, but definitely still have, uh, you know, non-native accents and lots of errors.
0: No, that's, that's fine. I mean, you don't have to be a perfect speaker of a language.
1: I actually think that might be one of the experiences that got me I kind of just fell into the language teaching thing, and I think the fact that I have that understanding helps me to be a really good teacher because I can you know you know a little of the embarrassment and then also trying to own your identity when you speak another language and you know having to study another language and expose yourself, you know it's just kind of it's you kind of have to experience it to know it
0: oh uh, but absolutely I think. It does help to be a language learner, to become a language teacher, absolutely. So.
1: I'm sure there's some good ones out there that haven't, but it definitely definitely helps me make my choices in the classroom. Okay, oh, this so, is sounding good.
0: Oh, no, this, this is interesting. <laughs> I, Spain, that's great. So, yeah. Okay, so, um, so you're born in Spain, come back to the States, and then finally get back to Spanish in high school, you said? Mm-hmm. And I
1: also went back to Spain most of the summers. Okay. And then after high school, I moved there two years again. Okay,
0: so you lived two year, another, another two years. Mm-hmm. When was... After high school? Or, yes. Okay. So,
1: from like when I was 17 and a half to 20, 18, 19. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then you went to undergrad?
1: Then I moved to Sweden for almost uh, a little less than a year. Okay. Then I did the undergrad. Okay.
0: So... Why Sweden?
1: Uh, I met a lot of friends, <coughs> ex-boyfriend, who was Swedish, so, yeah.
0: Okay, so Spain for a couple of years, then Sweden, Stockholm? Gothenburg,
1: Gothenburg. Jetteborg.
0: Okay, Gothenburg.
1: Which is like the arch rivals of
0: Stockholm. Right. Uh, okay, so Sweden, and then undergrad. Yes. Big change from Sweden to Hawaii.
1: Yes. My high school was very competitive and difficult. Lots of those students end up going to very good schools and continuing to be uh, prestigious government workers, for example. So I got very stressed out and I was taking AP courses. When I was 15, I was taking college classes and that actually burned me out. So I wasn't sure I wanted to go to college. So I started late. But the thing that convinced me to go to Hawaii is when I was in Sweden, my little sister sent me a message and told me she'd been accepted to University of Virginia. And the only thought I had was like, there is no way my little sister is going to go to college and graduate before me, even though I love her. But it's just like my little sister, you know? So I applied immediately.
0: Some, siblings, some good sibling rivalry there?
1: Yes. She's a total smarty. She's a good inspiration.
0: Well, but you had no, no desire to follow in uh, the government work at all
1: no no so a a lot of working hours those people work a lot it's not not quite my personality fits i mean not that i'm not a hard worker but i like uh more of a balance social and work life
0: i think that's reasonable i i couldn't do it either i definitely need the balance
1: work to live live to work
0: i'd rather work to live Mm. frankly Um, i agree so undergrad and then straight into grad school. And so what ha- What about after grad school?
1: After grad school, I, where did I go first? I believe I went directly, isn't this sad? It's already hazy. I'm not that old. I went, yeah, that's when I went to Kuwait.
0: Kuwait? Yes. Okay. Teaching? That was my first.
1: Yes. I had a job at Uh, Chaminade University doing ESL, but that was my first full-time teaching job after I graduated. Yes, teaching at the American uh, University slash college, both campuses were combined, in the Middle
0: East. How was that experience?
1: Hmm. Very interesting.
0: You say interesting with a very distinct meaning behind it, it sounds like? What What do you mean by interesting?
1: Uh, It was just so much that it's really hard to sum it in one sentence, but I mean, I would definitely never take back that time. It was amazing and I learned so much, so much about my job and as a person. Uh, There was very low lows and very high highs, so that's why it's interesting seemed to be a good word
0: in an easy way. (laughs) Would you care to expand up on it at all or? Yeah, sure.
1: and is the job part or any part or what Whatever, area?
0: whatever, whatever made it interesting.
1: So I had never um, been exposed to, I thought growing up that Virginia was diverse and Spain was somewhat diverse, but they really weren't. And being in Hawaii was the first time I was a minority, uh, you know, white people are, Caucasian mainland Americans, I guess I should say 30% of the population, but that was the first time that I spent a year and a half and didn't speak to any Americans ever. You know, I was the only American teacher at that college and um, it was really amazing to me. Most of my coworkers were from Serbia or Turkey or uh, Egypt. so. Uh, great diversity Poland and that was a lot of learning also my students were mainly Kuwaiti students and there were also a few uh, Kuwaiti and Iranian or Kuwaiti and uh, Indian students so that was very different than anything I'd ever really encountered growing up that was my first experience as well as living in a, you know, Muslim country. Mm-hmm. So I just really didn't know anything about Muslims or, I mean, very basic things. But I real I just learned so much. And I kind of, it's just kind of a shame that I hadn't known more. I feel that if everyone had, could have my experience just to have lived there for a year, we wouldn't have the problems that we are having now of so much fear of, and assuming anyone's a terrorist just because they're a Muslim, because you just you know after a while you just see that. I mean everything's different, but everything's not different. People are people, and there's good and bad, and it's not anything to make you naturally hate someone just because they're yeah.
0: Okay, so you were said a year and a half in Kuwait.
1: Yes. Okay. And let me see. Interesting stories. I do have an interesting story. I actually ended up becoming best friends with not the main director, but they had for each skill that was taught in English, there was a like a kind of mini boss module leader, and I actually ended up becoming best friends with all three of the module leaders. And one of them was a Kuwaiti Iranian. Uh, she actually does not tell her students she's part Iranian because there's that's looked down upon so they just assume she's Kuwaiti and she doesn't correct them but uh, she and I got very close and it was really funny like you know when you feel comfortable and you meet someone the questions you can ask and at one point I felt guilty but I was asked if I could teach her and a few of the other female faculty how to twerk because they had never seen that and I just felt so bad like guys there's this more to American. This is not like a beautiful part really of American culture. There's like so many other things, but they just really wanted to learn. And I had gone to kind of ghetto middle school. So there I was teaching them, wondering if I was like being a positive influence diplomatically for America in that moment or not. But yeah, that was interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) teaching them how to twerk.
1: And there was one girl from Eritrea there that she, said she really wanted to come but refused to participate and was just staring like kinda angrily the whole time. And I was like, Am I making you feel bad? You don't have to be here. Do you want to stop? She was like, No but she just kept staring angrily so don't know what that was about. Probably she wanted to but felt like it was wrong. I don't know. Very, very interesting experience. I'm
0: sure that is I'm not sure what to say about that, honestly. (laughs) Other than interesting, as you say.
1: They're just so curious. They see, you know, stars on TV. That's our lovely American media, so overly sexualized and violent. Then, you know, that's certain parts they see, and yeah, yeah. they're curious. Can't blame them.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so you're. So what? Do you know uh, how to twerk? I do not. <laughs> I have never. I have never tried. Are you
1: really American? Um,
0: <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not sure at this point. Sometimes. <laughs> um, so, year and a half in Kuwait, and where to next?
1: Uh, after that, I moved to Spain. Back to Spain. Yes, and I was there a year and a half. Yes.
0: That's another year and a half. So, also, also I, teaching.
1: Yes, I taught at a uh, language academy, and we mostly prepared students to take the exams, Cambridge exams. So the whole Sephir band, that's what we did. A2 and B1 and C, and, yeah. Actually, it was really interesting because I did teach one of the upper level courses and C2, and they are so advanced that I that was for students that were going to study like grad school and in England, and I had to constantly be looking up words on the dictionary. That was probably almost out of my level.
0: It is interesting when you get some of the really high level learners just some of the stuff that they know that like you don't know this teacher
1: I need to no, improve my vocabulary I do
0: Yeah, yeah. cuz so, well and some of it too is that sometimes they learn very specialized vocabulary like if <laughs> if they have a definite goal of going to grad school like they know all the words for their particular field and those words happen to be non standard English it's like okay hang on cuz to a lesser extent, but I'm sure, but I, I had a little bit of that when I, I had to teach a uh, medical English course. Oh. So I had to look up, I had to learn a lot of medical terms. Right?
1: Because we're not doctors. <laughs> right.
0: So I had to figure out all these. So I did, I knew what most of the English terms were, but there were some that I'm like, mm, hang on, let me get my dictionary. Okay. Now I, got it. <laughs> now I can teach this. But yeah. So I'm sure it was like that, but amplified because these are people going on to grad school and. Who knows what fields? Hmm. So, okay. So, the, so you're well versed with the CEFER uh, bands.
1: Yeah, we mostly focused on the lower ones. Uh, okay. They were most the most students come to. They want to pass B two and C one. Those are the ones that you know, kind of the equivalent of having what is it, five hundred, six hundred TOEFL score, key TOEIC score. Sorry, you can that that's what kind of unlocks job opportunities. Okay. Those are the ones in Spain. That okay, so the uh, yeah. The
0: upper B, lower C.
1: Yeah, B two C
0: one. Okay. And anything exciting or interesting happened in Spain in that year and a half? Uh
1: lots of things. I love Spanish culture. Uh, I stayed with my family there. So the woman that because my parents were so busy with their jobs when I was growing up, I was raised by a nanny, uh, Gigi because her full name is Maria Regla de Rocio de Jesus Tirado Caro. So we call her Gigi. And uh, she's actually since, I mean, she was my nanny, but when I call her that now, that doesn't do justice. I consider her to probably be the, yeah, most important, not probably, for sure, the most important mother figure in my life. So it was really nice to be around her because I had missed her all those years, you know. I mean, I always wanted to visit her, but it was really nice. to I lived with them. Uh, Spain is that's quite normal like living together Mm -hmm. uh, until you move out and get married so that was fun i also was working illegally because we tried to get they were trying to formally adopt me as an adult but um it was actually kind of sad because we had to go through a lot of lawyers and everything but because i moved there when i was 17 and a half and not a full year before and I turned 18, so instead of 17, they refused to give me citizenship. So that was kind of, I hadn't expected that. I thought I would get a visa in time. So I was a little nervous about leaving the country, but no problems.
0: Everything worked out. They didn't arrest you. They didn't deport you.
1: No, I'm sure if I was Moroccan, that would have been a very different experience. But no, the guy just said like, do you speak Spanish? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, bye. And I was like, bye. But yeah, I was I was a little nervous about that for a while.
0: I, yeah, I I can I can see why. Yeah. Okay. Hope
1: no um custom agents are gonna listen to this podcast.
0: I doubt <laughs> it. I think you're probably safe. Okay. I mean everything here is all all above board, so you're fine.
1: You know what kind of sucked the working that job. I'm oh, sorry. What was not lovely about working that job is. Uh, I actually worked the same amount of hours as I did now, technically, about 20 hours contact time, 22. I'm not really sure how much it is exactly here. Um, I'm not good with numbers if you haven't noticed, but uh, because it was a private language academy or a language academy, you know, they don't have the money to pay us for planning or give full-time benefits, so that's not even considered as full-time work and mm. on my resume or anything. But on reality, I was working just as much as I am now to prepare and all that. So one of the things about being a teacher.
0: Yeah, a lot of positions, your planning time is not paid for. So Spain for a year and a half and then on to?
1: Um, actually, that was pretty recent. Then I... You know in between <laughs> teaching gigs when you go in between jobs because the semesters is always a weird waiting around mm-hmm. period so I spent those five months in between that and coming to TIU uh, to stay in I went back to Virginia and my dad has Parkinson's so he's you know needs some help and needed a lot of uh, he did a DBS deep brain surgery so he had to go to a lot of uh, physical therapy for that, so I was, I went back and spent that time. I worked part-time as a cake decorator for a little bit, and then I was, you know, spending time with my dad and uh, driving him to his appointment, so that was, that was cool, and then I came here.
0: Cake decoration? Yes. Is this something you enjoy doing, or was this something that happened to fit you?
1: The cake decorating part, very much so, and I learned how to make icing roses. I'm really good, if anyone wants to learn, it's actually really fun.
0: Okay, so cake decorating, helping out your dad as he's going through surgeries and rehabilitations. Mm -hmm. And then to TIU.
1: So at that time, of course, I was applying to lots of jobs. Um, Two, the two that I was really only interested that I got were, because everything else was like adjunct part-time work. It's a rough world out there in the USA.
0: Um, That's what everyone keeps saying. I'm glad I haven't experienced it.
1: Yeah, maybe you never will have to. I hope not. Knock on wood. Um, This
0: isn't even wood, but... Fake wood.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I got uh, accepted to TIU, of course, and also the English Language Fellowship Program. However, that program, that was actually the second time they had accepted me the year before, but told me that 90% of their projects had already been matched, so the wait list was long, so probably I wouldn't hear from them, which I didn't. And then I heard from them just a little bit after I had accepted the TIU Uh, proposal, offer.
0: The English Language Fellowship, you say? Yes. I'm I'm not familiar with this.
1: Sure. It's a program that's done through U.S. embassies, so it's actually a pretty good gig. They send you to developing countries around the world, and they give you uh, your salary is $30,000, and that's a one-time payment, no taxes, that goes straight to pocket. This is my understanding. And but while you're there in this country, they pay your living expenses, your housing. They give you a, um, a small uh, stipend to pay for food. Of course, um, it's equal to the level of people living there. So, um, But I, for me, that sounded amazing. And I was really interested in teaching. Because especially after teaching in Kuwait, you know, there's so many students that they're so rich. They have so much money from oil. The government pays them. Just for being citizens and you know most of them weren't very motivated to learn English and it just seemed like it could be such a different experience that I wanted to have to teach people that really maybe needed English and really didn't have uh, access to it normally so that's what interests me about it and they told me they had matched me for Bur- Burkina Faso so I had to Google that that was probably they chose that area because I'd seen I worked in Kuwait because it's a Muslim landlocked country in Africa uh, actually I was talking to Eric about that because he'd always wanted to go there since he was working on Mozambique, where was Eric working?
0: I have no, I don't actually honestly I don't actually have any idea where Eric, I know he, cause he's, he's been a lot of places but
1: Mozambique, anyways maybe you can get him next on this podcast but yeah so um, I ended up choosing Japan and when my time is done here maybe I'll still consider that program yeah.
0: So, so do you, how long do you think you're going to be in Japan? Just one contract? You're going to renew, you think?
1: Ooh, big question. I'm very sure that I'm going to renew at least one more time, and I don't know after that. But, um, you know, I really I enjoy this job. I think the students are lovely. My coworkers are lovely. The benefits are really nice. And my goal right now is to pay off my student loans. It's quite expensive. So and this I was actually really sad to leave Spain I was so happy there Uh, I didn't want to leave but you know I couldn't I felt guilty staying there knowing that the interest was piling up on my loan so um, and this job gives us enough time to travel so it's really I don't know if I can find better because what other job is gonna let me be able to stay and visit my family there still as much and be paying off my loans and added bonus, I had never really, you know, some people come here really dying to come to Japan because they already knew a lot about the culture and love it, but I wasn't one of those. And I fell in love with Japan while I've been here. It's, it's amazing. I really like it. So
0: definitely recontracting. If you're not careful, you'll end up here for a long time. I'm a little worried about that right now. I'm not really worried, but I mean, I'm wondering. There are, there are much worse places to end up. I mean, I've been here 13 years now. And, well, for obvious reasons, I'm now not going anywhere anytime soon, certainly. (laughs) But, no, it's...
1: I need to learn Japanese, though. I need to get on your level. Well, that's going to take a long time. So I need to get somewhere on there.
0: It is a language that is just... is much further removed from English than most... that most of us study. So, all right. Well, um... Did we get all of it? I think we've talked about everything, so thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. It has.
1: I want to hear yours though. I didn't want to I wanted to ask you so much more, but I know that you're trying to organize this is like this is mine. Well. But I would like to ask you more, I'll, hear more of
0: your story. I'll get my story out eventually. I'm gonna get a few more other people out, and then once once I've got enough out, then I'll get my own out. So cool. It's thank coming. you, Jonathan. This was fun. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. That's all for this episode of Expanding Circles. Just a reminder, due to the fact that it's spring break here, yes, even though we saw 20 centimeters of snow yesterday, yes, in fact, it's spring break. That means that the production schedule will likely slow down for the next couple of months. However, hopefully it won't completely stop. I've got one more episode already recorded and a few more I can hopefully record during the break. So stay subscribed and update your podcast feeds occasionally. Thanks, and I'll see you when I see you.